Every nation aspires to have a homegrown talent that not only performs on the pitch, but also transcends the game to shine a brighter spotlight on their sport. No player in the world fits this description more so than Cristiano Ronaldo. When he first played for his country's U15 national team, his country had only qualified for one of the eight previous World Cups. Since that point, they've qualified for all five. Ronaldo's stamp on their success has been very pronounced. In the 2010 World Cup, he was the man of the match for all three of their group stage games. In 2014, he was the man of the match for their only victory, just the second player in history to register a man of the match in consecutive World Cups. Ronaldo won the silver boot and helped guide his team to their only major trophy victory, an unlikely win at the 2016 Euros. There is more to this country than Cristiano Ronaldo. But we are a soccer podcast, and there is not another country in the world where their major star shines so bright and absorbs more of the spotlight. This week on Joe Picks a World Cup Team, Portugal. States know football, but not football, it seems. So now he needs a surrogate. Dan will help him look for it. They'll have decisions to make, like how much genocide's a deal break. Joe picks a World Cup team. He's crossing borders to find out who's for him. What more could you ask for? It's time to stamp your Joe picking passport. So grab your bottle and pour. Let's hope he doesn't start a war. Dan, I was wondering how long into the episode it would take before we mentioned Cristiano Ronaldo's name. That's it. It was in the intro before we even started. Five seconds. Five seconds. But but totally, totally justified. Absolutely. It's very justified. And look, I think some fun facts are going to come out about one Cristiano Ronaldo later in this episode, but... Before we get to that, Joe, let's talk about something interesting about the country and something that I also learned, but in retrospect seems so obvious, the drink. Now, once again, I'm drinking tea, because, but I'm drinking a different kind of tea than last time. But you, Joe, are drinking the drink of the week. And what are you drinking right now, Joe? Uh, a nice glass of Porto, port wine. Wow. And it seems so obvious in retrospect, but as Sean says... Drink some port. That's this week's drink. It is made in the northern part of the country. There's a city called Porto, which has to be involved somehow. In Porto, and then sort of goes off on a tangent here, talking about the bridge in Porto. But he says, in Porto, they have a bridge that looks exactly like the Sydney Harbor Bridge. In Lisbon, they have a Golden Gate Bridge. I don't know why they like copying bridges and not making their own. But their bridges are unoriginal, but the wine is delicious. Enjoy the port, Joe. And Porto is like the great soccer powerhouse of Portugal, too. So, absolutely. Great choice. And I see you. Oof. Port. It would be, be nice. It's a good dessert wine as the, the dessert portion of our podcast fitting, doubleheader. Fitting end, yeah, with, with you know, Morocco as the amuse-bouche and, uh, yes. and Portugal as the dessert. It's great. Yeah. And one order of business before we jump right into Portugal Last week, you asked the poll question, which was simply sharks, question mark. The options were pro and con, Joe. I, a very outspoken proponent of the pro, you, a con, 
I'm not sure if you actually made the effort to go in and vote. I did not. I did not. Well, I certainly voted pro. And the results are in, Joe. 60% pro, 40% con. Take that. Sharks are good. The the super fans are dead on. Congratulations. We'll have the results of this week's poll next week, which was in the last episode. There won't be a new poll question in this episode since we're recording this on the same night. If you skip Morocco, let's just tell them the poll question here. Well, if you skip Morocco, the poll question is completely out of context. No, you have to listen to the Morocco episode to get to the poll question. All right, otherwise, but they can just listen to the last five minutes if they want. Otherwise, don't. Well, the it's all right. Do whatever you want. <laughs> Vote in the poll. If you want to be an ignoramus, just listen to the last five minutes. If you want to have an informed decision in the poll, then listen to the whole goddamn episode and then vote. It's a lot more effort for us to make these episodes and for you to listen to them, you lazy bums out there. <laughs> I mean, you great listeners. Wow, Dan. Way to, way to win over the listeners. Well, Joe, sometimes podcasting is easier than other times. And when you're sick and in the second half of the doubleheader, it's tough. But you know what, Joe? I, I feel fe- great. Things We're talking are- about it. What an exciting team to talk about, though, Dan. How could this, you not be excited about I that? am very excited to talk about this team. And... I'm I, I, I'm shaking with anticipation for what's to come. But before we, we get delve too deeply into Portugal as a footballing nation, let's learn a little bit about Portugal, the country, and the people. Let's take a quick trip to the Homeland Handbook. Following its heyday as a global maritime power during the 15th and 16th centuries, Portugal lost much of its wealth and status with the destruction of Lisbon in a 1755 earthquake, occupation during the Napoleonic Wars, and the independence of Brazil, its wealthiest colony, in 1822. A 1910 revolution deposed the monarchy, and for most of the next six decades, repressive governments ran the country. In 1974, a left-wing military coup installed broad democratic reforms. The following year, Portugal granted independence to all its African colonies. Portugal is a founding member of NATO and entered the EC, now the EU, in 1986. The name of the people. This is uh, the first tricky one we've got. Oh, good. I'm excited about that. A single person in Portugal is a Portuguese. A group of them are Portuguese, and they're all Portuguese. So that's right. A single or group of people are a Portuguese. The language, of course, is Portuguese. The second language is Mirandese, which is official but only used uh, in local places. The religions, Roman Catholic, 81%. Other Christianity, 3%. Others, Muslim, Jews, etc., 0.6%. And no religion, 7%. So, very Christian country, very Roman Catholic country. And the capital city, as mentioned, is Lisbon. Joe! Now, everybody's favorite game, you guess, the chief export. Joe, what is the chief export of Portugal? Well, it very well might be Cristiano Ronaldo, like, t-shirts. I think those shirts go for, like, $200 or something. Yeah, plus, you know they make that shit in Morocco. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I think, um, I think for real, you know, actually... I don't think it's just Porto wine, port wine. I think I think it's I think it's wine. I think wine is their number one export in general. 
All right. Survey says. Ah. Nope. Joe, this might just be a safe guess for every country because <laughs> their number one export is it is goddamn cars. cars again? It's cars. <laughs> it is, yes. The number one export is cars, and their number two export, which also is going to be a safe guess for a lot of uh, countries, is refined petroleum. So. I don't think they're making the petroleum, but I think they're importing it, they're refining it, and then they're exporting it. And you know, No, they're importing that sweet, crude Russian oil, and yeah, they're, yeah. they're refining it. It would not shock me. And uh, so, so there you go. Cars, I don't know what type of cars they're making in Portugal, but they're making them. And the uh, petroleum, yeah. You know, petroleum. O- oil rules everything, except for phosphorus. Look, I'm, I'm never guessing cars. Every country can't be exporting cars. Otherwise, is our whole world economy just based on trading cars? We give you our cars, you give us your cars. It doesn't make sense. Well, so think about this. This is very interesting because this isn't looking at net exports. It's only looking at total exports. So, like, I'm driving a Honda. That car was exported from Japan or something. So even though the U.S. exports tons of cars, too. So I think that it, maybe if I did net exports, it, it might be something like wine, something that they export much more than they import of. But, like, obviously, they're importing German cars, and they're importing, I don't know, probably not American cars, but they're probably importing French cars. So I, I don't know if their net exports, would cars would be number one. But, you know, Joe, See, I I'm just... not. I'm not, I'm not in... You know what? You know what I am answering? And I, I think I'm getting all these right, by the way. Uh, under the way I'm thinking about it. I'm not thinking about net or gross. What I want to know is like, what does, not what is their number one export, but what does Portugal export more than anyone else in the world? Yeah, okay. Well, the thing is- I don't wh- think the answer would be wine. So, so I, I'd probably be rethinking that. But like like that, I think, is an is a more, more, more interesting question. Yeah, so I think at least in Morocco, cars aside, phosphorus- yeah. That's like their thing. They they make all the phosphorus in the world. They export it all. Or like the fucking flax seeds in, in Uruguay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they're the biggest exporter, but once again, you get it wrong. No surprise there. But Joe, redeem yourself. You got one last shot tonight to get one of these right. There are 32 countries in the World Cup. Where does Portugal rank by population among them? I mean, Portugal is... I mean, it is a European country, which doesn't mean anything in terms of size. Think your way through it, Joe. No, no. Yeah, I will. So I'm trying to think of like, I can't think of like that many major international cities in Portugal. Lisbon. That's it. Porto, where all the wine comes from, I guess. And I, and Portugal is not big. It's like the corner of like what most people think of as just all of Spain. So I'm going to guess Morocco was 15. 16. Right? 16. That was like an hour ago. I'm going to guess that Portugal is 20. 20. <laughs> you are so close to being right. But unfortunately, you are one off. Oh, no. With that hint and your thought process, where do you think they are? Where are they out of the 32? I think they're smaller. I think they're probably smaller than 20 then. So what What would they be? 
You just missed so, it. So then they would be 24. No, 23. You only get two in either direction. No, I get three in each direction. I got it right. Well, I don't know what the... Well, you know what? Fine. Yes. <laughs> Take it, Joe. I don't even know what the goddamn rules are. You got it. They're 23rd. Yes. So you were within three. You had it right the whole time. Unbelievable. I have never seen such a thing. It's incredible. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Yeah, 23rd out of 32 teams. They are actually, I believe, Sweden. The first country we did was number 24. So you can check those off your little uh, bingo it's a cards. Sweden, Sweden-sized country. They come in at 10.3 million people and they're the 88th largest country in the world so mm-hmm. in the bottom third but they're not one of those like teeny tiny countries no they, no, no solid solid yeah, they're you know new york city sized uh country mm-hmm. number one joe let's just get right into this too good too bad road to qualification and world cup history i talked about the world cup history a little bit in the intro but i did keep one key critical piece of information out, which I said that prior to Cristiano Ronaldo's ascent into the uh, their national team, they had made only one of the previous nine, but the 10th before that, they actually finished third place in the World Cup. So they have this unbelievable thing where they did not qualify for the World Cup from 1934 to 1962, and they did not qualify for the World Cup from 1970 to 1982. So they in this span of 50-whatever, eight years, they only qualified for one World Cup. But at that World Cup, they played six games, won five of them, and had finished third place in the uh, World Cup that was hosted in England. Good where for they, them. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know exactly what confluence of factors was coming together there, but they had a great World Cup and um, in that one. But then after that, as I said, before that, never qualified. After that, they didn't qualify again for another 20 years. They qualify in Mexico, don't make it out of the group stage. And then that started their series of modern day qualifications. The last five in a row they qualified for. 2002, didn't make it out of the group. 2006, they had a very famous run where they made it all the way uh, into the semifinals. They finished in fourth place. But looking back at that, that seems like a a pretty shocking... um, turnout but they they really won a lot of ugly low scoring games it wasn't necessarily a a dominant performance though they did win the uh most entertaining team in that tournament which um you know people like their style of play they liked that there were a lot of young players on the team including a very young cristiano ronaldo who was making his first appearances he wasn't yet even starting for portugal at that point uh, but he was definitely coming in as a sub. And I think he actually started one of the games. And then the last two World Cups uh, have quite honestly been a little disappointing. They made it out of the group in 2010, but lost in the uh, round of 16. And in 2014, of course, we know very well they were in the same group as the United States. And they did not make it out of the group stage. Uh, but they are back this year in 2018. And, you know, we already know what group they're in. But we'll save that for that section. So, How did they get to the World Cup in this year? We know how UEFA qualifying works. Uh, We've talked about it before, but just as a brief uh, uh, reminder, basically they they allocate all these teams into groups uh, with uh, five other teams, 
And then basically, if you win your group, you get a spot. If you lose your group, then they go into a second round of playoffs where you also have a chance to qualify. So, you know, this is very un-Africa-like. These teams right. in Europe, they get right. a chance to play. You get a lot of chances. Yeah. You get a lot of chance. So they are put into they, – they were in pot one of UEFA qualifying. So they were like the, the favorite in their group. In, um, in the UEFA seating, they were the fourth best team. In FIFA rankings, they were number seven in the world at the beginning of the UEFA qualifying process. They end up in Group B. And so their group is Switzerland and four punching bags which were Hungary, the Faroe Islands, Latvia, and Andorra. And I, you might think I'm calling them punching bags in a derogatory way, but the four punching bags went a combined 0 and 16 against Portugal and the and Switzerland. Also, so, also, literally, punching bags are the number one export of Andorra. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even know what the number one export of the Faroe Islands could be, but... <laughs> Fucking cars. You know what it is. <laughs> you know, goddamn know well. Well, know what it is. But anyway, so this group is all about uh, Portugal and Switzerland, and so it starts off with a bad start for Portugal. They play at Switzerland and they lose two 0 So they're already behind the eight ball here. So they continue. Their next eight games are against the aforementioned punching bags. They win all eight, and they win all eight with a plus 26 goal differential. So they are crushing these teams. Switzerland plays the punching bags as well, and as we already know, beats them all again. And and uh, Switzerland ends up with a plus 18 goal differential. So in the final game, it is Switzerland playing at Portugal. So they come into this game, Portugal's 8-1 with a plus 26 goal differential, and Switzerland is 9-0 with a plus 18 goal differential. So with Switzerland, all they need is a draw or a win, then they win the group and automatically qualify. However, Portugal, by virtue of the fact that they defeated the punching bags with eight more goals, they, by virtue of a win, they would tie Switzerland in points, and then, of course, by winning, they would increase their goal differential, so they would win on goal differential, and that's exactly what happens in the final match. Switzerland plays Portugal in Portugal. Portugal wins 2-0, so they, uh, Switzerland scores an own goal on themselves in the 41st minute, and then Andre Silva, a name to uh, keep in your hat for later, scores in the 57th minute to, to ice the game. They win 2-0. They get the automatic bid. As we will learn, or as we already know, if you've been paying attention, Switzerland's also in the World Cup. So Switzerland actually comes out of this group, and by virtue of being 9-1, and one, they are the top-rated team in the second stage of the right. uh, UEFA qualifying. So they actually get a pretty cupcake match, and they qualify. And to be perfectly honest, had Portugal lost, and they had finished 8-2, and two, or 8-1-1 one and one or whatever, they probably would have qualified anyway. So it's not quite the... Moroccan level situation where it's this must win game. But look, Portugal, they were playing at home in Switzerland. They had to beat Switzerland to guarantee their ticket. They did. So that was great. A couple of interesting notes. The aforementioned Cristiano Ronaldo had the second most goals in the UEFA qualifying with 15. And Andre Silva, who was mentioned before, was fifth with nine goals. So you know, when you're playing these bunch of punching bags, it's uh, it's great for, for racking up the uh, gratuitous stats. And as I was researching this, though, I figured out one 
pretty groundbreaking piece of information that honestly changes the way I view world soccer and my allegiance. And Joe, do you know the significance of February 5th, 1985? No. That is the day two great men on this earth were born. Cristiano Ronaldo and myself. We share the same... I did not know you guys have the same birthday. I did not know either. I mean... consider the shock as I'm researching this. I'm going to the Cristiano Ronaldo page and it just shows his birthday at the top. It's my birthday. It's the same year, same day. It's unbelievable. Cristiano Ronaldo, I will forever know he is exactly my age. He has maybe done more with his life to this point than I have. I don't know. know, I'm a better programmer than he is. I mean, maybe. You don't know know that. (laughs) It's true. It's true. He could could be doing it on the side. He certainly would look better while doing it. <laughs> that I mean, that is a incredible person to share a birthday with. Um, I'm a, super. I could not be more excited by it. I, I'm. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Does it make you like him more, or does it make you resent him? No, it makes. I have been a Ronaldo skeptic up until today. I have been, you know, in the <laughs> 2014 World Cup. It's like, oh, Ronaldo is injured or whatever. Now I'm all about Ronaldo. I love Ronaldo. I love everything about him. He's like my Cam Newton, where he's like controversial, but I love it. No, I mean, look, I love Ronaldo too. And in the Ronaldo-Messi debate, I'm staunchly team Ronaldo. But um, this is the weird thing about sharing a birthday with someone. How are you going to feel when you watch the World Cup and they're like, the elder statesman of the game, Ronaldo, out on the pitch? Like, like that. that, I always hate that when I... When they talk about players as like, oh, he's in the waning years of his campaign, uh, you know, of his career. And you're like, oh, that guy's younger than me. What the fuck? Well, you know what, Joe? I'm going to then be happy that I picked a profession where at the, <laughs> I will not be an elder statesman. Although, honestly, in the tech world. Yeah, once you in, are. Yeah, yeah. Dan Burke and the elder statesman. Uh, statesman they, they say the same thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm all in. I was team messy up until from age well, whatever. Messi, as it turns out, is two years younger. I mean, another thing. Messi, oh, everybody's doting on Messi. He's younger than Ronaldo. Ronaldo has to do all this work to keep in shape as it, at his advanced age. Messi is running around. It is the spry age of 30. Come on. Anybody T- can totally do agree. that. Totally agree. Um, look, you know, the, the, I'm sure you're going to mention it um, in another section, but um, the thing about Portugal, the biggest story about Portugal, I don't think, is their qualification. Because obviously they had a path that wasn't that hard. I don't even think it's the last World Cup. It's their huge underdog victory in the 2016 UEFA Cup. I was going to bring that up, but since you've brought it up, yes. the well, I, I mentioned it briefly in the intro, but you know, when talking about my hero, Cristiano Ronaldo, and I was going through these World Cup things, and I was like, all right, well, he's clearly won like a golden boot. And it's like, no, Cristiano Ronaldo actually hasn't done that much scoring in the World Cup. Um, and I was like, oh, he must have won something. You know, he had all those man of the matches in 2010, yeah. which was impressive. But honestly, his 2014 campaign wasn't great. Although, you know, my, my hero, he was injured, was dealing with a little injury. But then I saw that Euro 2016. And again, he wasn't like, it wasn't like he won the golden boot out of everything. He did win the silver boot with the second most goals. But he's just dragging this team along. He's by far the best player on the team. He attracts so yeah. much attention. He played, by all accounts, he played incredibly well. And well, and and the fact that, I mean, like, you know, yes, it is not a World Cup. But, like, the UEFA Cup is a big fucking deal. 
to people in Europe. And like the fact that it solidified that they are that they got silverware. They got they fucking have a- trophy out of the Ronaldo era, which how many great players does that never happen for? Secondly, and third, I mean, huh. they beat Messi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They beat France in the finals in France. Yeah, their road I mean, was so easy before that France match, though. It is unbelievable. Like, one half of it had, like, Germany, <laughs> Italy, uh, France, know, and their know, half, they were playing, like, Wales, and, like, it was ridiculous. But I remember before that game, it was like, oh, Portugal's going to get fucking slaughtered here, you know? But And and look, I mean, so Spain wins the uh, the 2014, or the 2000... Um, 2012 Euros, and then they come back. Or, they no, win no, the they 2010 won. World Cup. And then they come right back and win the 2012 Euros. Yes. And then Germany wins 2014 World Cup. And then out of nowhere, people are saying it's going to be Germany. It's going to be Spain's redemption for the shitty World Cup. Uh, And then out of nowhere, Portugal comes and wins it. Get some hardware for Ronaldo. I mean, I think that's that was such a big deal. And it'll be interesting to see, does this... like. Is the World Cup just like icing on the cake? I mean, obviously, World Cup's a much bigger deal than Euro, even as big a deal as Euro is. But like, or does the pressure consider being taken off of Ronaldo in what very well might be his last World Cup? I don't know if he said that or not. Well, look, Joe, um, at his advanced age, I don't know how yeah, many more. No, I mean, you're playing. Them I don't know if that's official or not, but like seven, because by the yeah. time the World Cup starts, he's going to be 33, as I will be. And, you know, he's going to be 37. Although, actually, since the next one's played in Qatar during the winter, maybe he'll still be 30. That actually, those six months might help him a lot. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, so, you know, I mean, look, I mean, they, whatever, like, sense there was, the Portugal could not beat the biggest players on the European, at least, stage is gone now. They can They can beat anybody. Yeah. Look, I am very excited about um, their... Their situation, their odds. I mean, we've gone over the we've gone over the qualification. We've gone over the World Cup history, which, it, you know, as you pointed out, and I think this is the important part. Their World Cup history, though, it has obviously a couple of great moments. Their their triumph on the international stage is undoubtedly what occurred two years ago at the Euros, and so now they're coming back in the World Cup, and this is really, I think, you're right. The pressure can, can be off them, and and let's just look at the stats. So. Their odds of making it out to the round of 16 is a little over 80%. Their odds of making it to the quarterfinals is right about 50%. Their odds of making the semis, right about 25%. The finals, 12%. And winning the World Cup, about between 3 and 4%, which gives their odds 25 to 1. So this, again, isn't a team that's an overwhelming favorite. There are teams that are favored more than them. But this, but this is, is the team, best team we've talked about, too. By it's far. the best team we've talked about. And this is a team that if they won the World Cup, and, and certainly if they make it to the semis, they make it to the quarters, they make it to the finals, would not. I mean, the odds of making it to the finals is 12%. Like, th- this is a team that, honestly, they're not expected to make the finals. But if you saw them in the finals, nothing unexpected has happened. I mean, I think that they're hitting such a sweet spot with this um, in the sense that, like, when we did Uruguay, you asked me because their score wasn't perfect, and, and you asked me just to help calibrate. Like, would it be? Would you want Uruguay to be a little bit worse or a little bit better? And I said a little bit better. And I feel like Portugal is that. Like they're the team that, like, you know, they haven't had great World Cup success. 
they're predicted to, or at least the odds are that they will make some moves in this World Cup, but it would still be a long shot and they would be an underdog if they were to make the final. Yeah, and Um, and let me just give you one piece of context just for people at home who aren't exactly sure where they they fall in the whole thing. Well, I've I've got the stats in front of me, and and Uruguay was 28-1, to and they had the ninth best odds of winning. So the ninth best team. Portugal comes in 25-1. to They're the eighth best team. So this is sort of a sweet spot. And the next best team, which we'll get into when we get into them, is 16-1. to So Portugal is... Portugal and Uruguay are sort of in their own middle zone where yep. they are, and, and Portugal is yep. a little better than Uruguay, but they're not at the, the, the next round of favorites moves way up. And I won't say who the number one favorite is, but the number one favorite, their odds to win are four and a half to one. So, you know, Portugal is a team at 25 to one. Look, if you bet on Portugal and they win, you're going get, to get a nice payday. But at the same time, it, it, we're not talking about those 300 to one or even 100 to one where... You know they're going to get lose in the group in all likelihood, and there's not much action there. No, I mean, look, I mean, I think this this is this is this is honestly the sweet spot. It's the perfect combination of they're going to give me something to root for. There's a chance of them going all the way and winning, but if I tell people now I'm supporting Portugal in the World Cup, no one's going to accuse me of glory hunting, as our British friends like to say. Absolutely, I think this is. A 10 out of 10, Dan. This, wow. is, this is the benchmark. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. I will be very interested when we get the, to the team, which is 16 to 1. I feel like you might feel something similar with them because they'll be the seventh best team, but they've gone up a level and it'll be interesting to see where your um, where yeah. your absolute sweet spot is. But I could not agree with you more. My man, my hero, Cristiano Ronaldo, I, I honestly <laughs> think. Look, I, I mean, I'm already done. I, I thought I was coming to this process, and I, I had to go through it all. I might uh, Unless it turns out another star player of another team shares my exact birthday. I think you have to look it up. I think, that's, I, I think and, now that's the most salient question to your picking a World Cup team. And also transcends international football. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll keep my mind open. I'll keep my mind open. But, um, Joe, where, where are we going next? Where are we going next? All right, to the deck of cards, and we are doing category four. Category four. Wow. Top player to watch. And Joe, no surprise. No, it is actually a bit of a surprise. I mentioned it before. It's not Cristiano Ronaldo. We all, we don't need it as a top player to watch. We already know everything there is to know about Cristiano Ronaldo. But as was mentioned in uh, the, as was mentioned in the road to qualification, Cristiano Ronaldo scores 15 goals. His teammate, Andre Silva, scored nine goals, which ain't too bad. That was the fifth most in all of the UEFA qualifying. And let's learn a little bit more about him. Andre Silva plays for AC Milan at the very young age of 22 years old. He plays center forward, as we already said, in the 10 qualifying games, scored nine goals, which is quite a large hole. Part of an exciting young generation of Portuguese players. Good ball control and finishing, great vision and passing for a striker. There are rumors that both Arsenal and Barcelona want to sign him, and he was selected as part of the UEFA Champions League Breakthrough 11 in 2016. In your favorite FIFA game, his score right now is 78, his potential is 86. And David, you know, clearly not in the Bundesliga, so maybe David doesn't see as much of him as he'd like, but even that, even outside of the Bundesliga, toiling away, in uh, the Serie A, he gives him an 8 out of 10. 
This is great. I mean, you know, if he ever plays for Arsenal, I'll be obligated to to despise him. But man, the other thing that David didn't mention, and you know, same is true for Ronaldo. I don't know what it is with these Portuguese, but I feel a kinship to them because this guy has a great head of hair. Have you looked at the video yet? I have not looked at the video, but I've seen pictures of him. Yeah. Look, my hero, Ronaldo, we're similar in so many ways. We have diverged in the hairness. But look, like Ronaldo, when I played soccer, I wasn't afraid to jump in there and head balls. Look, I would do that with hair or without hair. And that's what we have in common. We're very headstrong. You know, it's just what's on top of your head, maybe a little bit different. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think this is a great player to watch. It's super exciting to, you know, feel like there's a young core around Ronaldo. And especially because I think that that's been sort of the most historically disappointing thing about Portugal is that you have this great player and you feel like the team that surrounds him is, well, I mean, A, obviously not as good, but but like not even good enough to like let his talent shine, which yeah. is it's just so just, difficult because you see him play for his club team and, you know, there are these pieces that are so complimentary and then he's put on this Portugal national team and it's just like, it's painful almost a little bit. Yeah, and it's it, and it is one of the things about soccer that's interesting i remember when david beckham first came to la galaxy and like when you when the talent level around you is worse it makes you look worse too yeah because you're like you look like you might like what look like what what might look like you missing a pass is just a pass that like what didn't go exactly where it should have or like or you know you, you know they don't catch you on like the through ball and then you're getting fewer scoring opportunities. Like, whatever. So, like, you know, the fact that there are good, that there's a good young core around him is exciting. And, um, you know, this seems like a good player to watch. So I'm going to say 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10. Wow. Matching our Moroccan player. And, you know, playing with a little different styles here. But I think both are equal and that they're both going to be very exciting to watch. Like, they're, they're players that I think if you're watching a match, you're going to be drawn to what they're doing. Totally. Um, and and obviously with Cristiano Ronaldo in particular it's going to be exciting cuz especially up there in the the forward part of the field you know they're going to be making stuff happen and that's going to be fun to watch. But I will say if this guy signs with Arsenal in the January transfer window I reserve the right to bump the score down to a zero. <laughs> well, <laughs> then I might have to sub back in my hero Cristiano Ronaldo as a player to watch <laughs> and read more t- tell totally you more fair. about him. Totally fair. Do you know how many Bowen d'Ors he's won? A lot, Joe. A lot. Many. Deservedly so. Yeah. Dan. Okay. Next category is number seven. Number seven. Ooh, the atrocities category. Oh, man. Oh, boy. From uh, superfan Fan Emeritus Josh PhD. Today, Portugal is reasonably quiet, but the history is bad. During the 15th and 16th (laughs) centuries, Portugal created one of the first global empires. Quite an achievement, but you don't do it without a fair amount of enslavement and genocide. More recently, Portugal had a fascist regime from 1933 to 1974. It was around way after fascism was out of style. The regime engaged in persecution of political opponents, violence against civilians, and more. In the 1960s and early 1970s, Portugal was involved in a series of brutal wars in Africa, as colonist holdings sought their independence. Following the collapse of this fascist regime, known as Estado Novo, in 1974, things have been reasonably quiet, and Portugal is a good neighbor now. Atrocity level, dried red pepper flakes. 
Like the kind you put on a pizza? The kind you put on a pizza. No, but uh, Joe, hold the phone. Special edition in the atrocities section. Fan Emeritus Bez has also sent in the atrocities section. Oh, and, love it, Bez. And he <laughs> says it's a very personal atrocity. Oh, he oh, says, oh is this serious? Okay. No, no, no. Don't worry. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure that <laughs> my entire family was killed by Portuguese. Please well, give them a zero. <laughs> I am sure Josh has done an amazing job on the Portuguese atrocities, but surely any atrocities committed against a fan emeritus should be considered. With that in mind, please cast your mind back to 1095, when the Bez, Bermudez family was prominent in the Galatian region, owning small castles and armories. Due to the highly inconvenient declaration of independence by the Kingdom of Portugal, much of my land, his family's land, was ceded to the new nation. Despite numerous letters to the president of Portugal, they still haven't given back my rightful land. He says, the only fair score is negative 10. Wow. Bez. He wants his castles and armories back. You want your ancestral homeland, Bez. I completely support it. But the question is, maybe many of them were destroyed in the the 1755 earthquake. And maybe now it's just like a pile of rubble that actually is sort of a fixer-upper. I mean, I can relate because obviously the Mizrahis have been kicked out of many a country in our time. <laughs> in our, I mean, basically, we've been kicked out of every country we've ever been in. Yes. Some um, deservedly so, some less deservedly so. I mean, I think all deservedly so, depending on your perspective. But, but you know, the one thing is we really have nothing to ask for because I don't think we had any holdings. I think we were like, I think if I went back to any of these places, they'd be like, great, your ancestors were servants. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think the uh, Jews were servants, Joe. They here, were here. They were money your, exchangers. Here's your apron. I'll show you to the quarters. Uh, 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 look, you know, Bez makes a very salient point. I think we can maybe like add the add a little bit of spiciness to those red pepper flakes. Like they're the red pepper flakes you put on your pizza, but then maybe you like put a little bit too much, and then you're like, ah, now I need a new slice of pizza. I mean, sometimes you get the red pepper flakes and they are like a little too, because sometimes they have like a little more oil on them and they're actually like too spicy. I think it's not so bad when it comes out of the shaker. I think the problem arises when it's, when it's in, when you get get it to go and it's in that like plastic little like your container where like there's no control over how quickly they come out. Oh, you're talking about, I'm saying, I think the shaker sort of dries them out. I think if you get them like, I've had like fresh ones that are like vacuum sealed. Those things are fucking spicy. Like, yeah, you got to be careful for that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You you put those on your pizza. You're throwing that pizza, or you're sort of scraping them off, but it doesn't really work well because they sort of embed in the cheese. It's tough. No, once you once you put too much on there, you're done. Yeah, you're it's done. over. That it's either you're going to just get a glass of milk and deal with it, or you're getting a new slice of pizza. No yeah. question about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is slightly higher. Uh, where were where did we put Morocco again? Three and a half. This is this is worse than Morocco. I'm gonna say six. Let's go with six. Six. If it was worse, that you would give a lower score. They are no, no. They You're are, saying they're better than Morocco. Oh right, yeah, that was wrong. Yeah, that didn't make sense. Uh, whoa, uh, we really scored Morocco low in this category, didn't we? Well, you really didn't like Morocco is an ongoing issue for th- yeah. that juicy phosphorus. Whereas it seems like Portugal has sort of been a good citizen on the world stage since probably the last 30 years or so at minimum. But, you know, they've got a... uh, Their history is not looking so great. Wasn't Christopher Columbus Portuguese? 
I thought it was Spanish. I think he traveled for Spain, but I think he he is Portuguese or was Portuguese. Where, but he's Italian. Oh, he's Italian, of course. Yeah, never mind. He did something with Portugal. I think he visited Portugal. I think he vacationed there. Yeah. Um, well, in those days, if you wanted to get a ship out, you, you, Portugal is where to go. I mean, that's yeah. all Atlantic coastline. You know, you you don't want to be going in that Straits of Gibraltar back in those days. All right, let's just let's just put this at a at a three and a half. Let's just tie it. Let's tie it with uh, with Morocco, but for different reasons. Yeah, yeah, I like that. All right, where are we going next, Joe? The Joker. Ooh. Let's do. Let's do the celebrities right now. What a surprise! I already, I already had it queued up. <laughs> From Superfan Karsten, are there any famous Portuguese people who aren't dead? Once a hotbed for world explorers, Portugal doesn't have much to boast in terms of star power, especially if we don't include soccer players. Yeah, Carson, what about transcendent, amazing players? Honorable mentions. Apparently, James Franco claims he is Portuguese. The bronze medalist. He might be dead, but he was the first explorer to reach India by sea. That's right, folks. The bronze celebrity is Vasco da Gama. The route he discovered was consequential to the Portuguese economy as it would be a century before powers like England and the Netherlands would find a route to India. The discovery of this route led to an age of global imperialism. Da Gama was back in the news in March of 2016 when one of his ships, Esmeralda, was discovered with thousands of artifacts off the coast of Oman. <laughs> he was not on Twitter, but the uh, <laughs> Google trend traffic is very strong. Very strong. Well, Dan, do you have a favorite explorer? I don't know. I, I can't say I do. I mean, I'm very anti-Christopher Columbus. I feel like that's definitely a new hot thing. But Yeah, uh, Columbus was bad. Cortez was really bad. Yeah, I can't say I'm a I'm a big uh, whatever the expert would be. I know it would be an uh, aquaf aquaf uh, whatever. If you were an expert in waterways, I don't know what an expert in explorerways is. But honestly, I think if I had to name five explorers, I, I couldn't do it. I think I only know Columbus, Cortez. I mean, now that Carson says Vasco da Gama, that's like that's, oh oh Magellan Magellan Magellan, too. Magellan yeah yeah and Amerigo Vespucci obviously for you know Vespucci. <laughs> I think I'm a Magellan fan. I like Magellan. I think he was a good guy. Well, the good thing about Magellan, and I'm sure he has some horrible things, but he was like, I don't want to go conquer places. He's just like, I want to make it around the world. Yeah. 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 That's. I mean, I don't think he did make it around the world, too. I think he died along the way. Well, I mean, it was tough. It was a It was a lofty goal. Look, you don't have to tell me it's tough. I think it's tough going around the world in a goddamn plane. It's a lot of work. It's true. It's true. All right, so so Vasco da Gama is the he's bronze or he's honorable mention. He's bronze. Okay, silver medalist. I like it. Sarah Sampaio is a model from Portugal. She's most famous for being a Victoria's Secret angel, but has appeared in GQ, Vogue, Elle, Glamour, and Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition. Yeah. When she first appeared in Sports Illustrated in 2014, she was the Rookie of the Year, according Mm -hmm. to Wikipedia. She is ranked fourth in total social media followers amongst Victoria's Secret Angels. Well, Carson just knew that off the top of his head. She was part of the big <laughs> Victoria's Secret Perfect Body campaign, which was later changed to a body for everybody. And she has been outspoken against what she calls skinny shaming. And she comes in slightly more than Vasco da Gama, 868,000 Twitter followers. But has she ever sailed 
from Spain to India? I don't know. Well, I would assume Vasco da Gama went from Portugal to India, but <laughs> you never know, Joe. You never know. I don't know. I feel like there was some like, you know, these were like often like, you know, Spanish funded things out of Portugal. But yeah, whatever. I don't know. I think you're okay. giving Spain way too much credit here. I think Portugal, the guy's Portuguese. I think he's doing that. that yeah, Spain did some stuff. Okay. No, All no. Right. I, I, Spain, I think, paid for Christopher Columbus, certainly. But that's a whole different thing. Anyways, gold medalist. It's not my hero and birthday sharer. Cristiano Ronaldo, though, obviously it would be, I'm sure, if not for your stringent, almost Moroccan-level requirements of you cannot have soccer players. So he went with the Grammy-winning artist Nelly Furtado. Although she was not born in Portugal, she carries dual citizenship between Canada and Portugal. Furtado has sold 40 million records worldwide. Her most popular album, Loose, produced her first number one song in the United States, Promiscuous, as well as the number one worldwide song, Say It Right. In 2011, she announced a partnership with Free the Children in their efforts to build girls' schools in Kenya. With 3.5 million Twitter followers and top Google trend data among Portuguese celebrities, Nelly Furtado is the gold medalist. I think that's a good gold medalist. I think, you know, Karsten really, you know, spans the spectrum of things, right? So there's a historic explorer. There's a model that I don't think you and I have ever heard of. And then there's, you know, a, a, a great musician on there, which, you know, should make Emily happy, super fan Emily happy. But I think despite my rule, here's the interesting thing about the celebrity. When you, when you add Cristiano Ronaldo to the mix, I think Cristiano Ronaldo might be the biggest celebrity in the world. It's, it's I mean, I think at one time it was probably Michael Jordan, but, you know, he certainly had his heyday. It's over. I think Messi, you know, as a... But Messi is not enough of a character. Like, he's not exciting Exactly. That's what I'm saying. As a former Messi stan, I would say Messi was sort of like the, like, uncomfortable wizard who... Or, like, the introverted wizard who, like, when you saw him in his arena, he's, like, a wonder to behold. But outside of it, he's sort of like... he's, He's kind of like a weird trollish character, like... He doesn't like say anything or do any. I yeah, mean, he's I not a fun celebrity. He's right? like evading uh, yeah. taxes or something. But Cristiano totally. Ronaldo, he's out there. He's, I mean, come on. And he's interesting and he's interesting on the pitch. And he's like, but he's not like a bad dude either. Like you don't get a sense of, I mean, you know, he might be like cocky and brash or whatever, but he's not like, you know. Yeah, I found some skeletons in his closet. He also is doing the tax evasion, but I, it's certainly not like. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's certainly not Jared from Subway level. For, for, for instance. Correct. Yeah. I, I mean, that's a very low bar. Although people do make fun of him a lot, and he often like poses with a lot of like children wearing his underwear, which is some sort of weird <laughs> thing that he does. But All right. Well, yeah, we, you know, we'll put a pin in that. But, um, <laughs> oh, but, but I think, you know, yeah, I mean, maybe other than like any, I guess, like Barack Obama, Donald Trump, like they're going to be like famous worldwide, but they're, you know, politicians are a little bit different. Um, but like, in terms of celebrities, I feel like Ronaldo might be number one in the world. And that's still, I mean, despite now, now Carson is following our rule, which I appreciate, like that has to factor into this too. Look, Joe, you, you score however you want. I like Nelly for that. I didn't think, I thought I'm like a bird. You know, that was a great yeah, song. That is a great song. Uh, I, yeah. she had the music video at some point when I was a, a kid where she's like, um, 
where I was in high school where she's like crawling through smoke or something. I, I forget the song, but it was a great music video. I, I quite enjoyed it. So, you know, like Nelly Furtado, like her career is if she's putting out gold records in like, I, I don't know when this uh, album was put out, but it feels like she, her career is spanning like decades, which is very impressive. I wonder if Red One produces her albums. <sighs> Confluence. Yeah. What? Who knows? Why not? Morocco and Portugal, very, very close right together. Right next door. Yeah. Um, I think this is a good category for, for, for Portugal. I think that, especially for a country of that size, they're really bringing it in this liberty. And man, Definitely. you know, producing all those explorers, like, that's, you know, the... You know, if they're going to get marked down for that in the atrocity, they should get a little bit of a boost for that in the celebrity category. Um, I'm going to say seven and a half out of ten. Seven and a half, great score. You know, Joe, if you want to get from Morocco to Portugal, you just you just hop on the Iberian Beltway. Just takes you right there. <laughs> the bridge over the strait. Yeah, well, it's a long bridge, twenty miles, yeah. but it's great. It's part of the Beltway. Yeah, it's a toll. It's a toll bridge. They recoup the cost. <laughs> well, you got to pay. Yeah, you got to pay for the 20 miles of bridge. Yeah. That's fine. Only 3 million deck cars or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> 3 million out of 5 million deck cars. Yeah, yeah. Loved it. It's good okay. bridge, but could be better. Could be shorter. <laughs> All right. Let's go with category two. Let's talk about the group. There's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing to say about this group that hasn't already been said tonight. Their group B, we, I'll just, I'll, I'll talk about their schedule, although it already could be deduced from what we talked about. Their first matchup is against Spain. Their second matchup is against Morocco. And their third matchup is against Iran. So that's it. But otherwise, you know, just as a brief reminder, they are 32 or, you know, a little over 30% chance to win to Spain's about 60% chance to win. But they're almost equivalent to Spain in terms of degree or percent chance to advance because they are head and shoulders above both Morocco and Iran. When we did this group for Morocco, you gave it a seven. How do you feel about it for Portugal? I mean, I don't know. You know, I'm sure there's a super fan out there who could explain why, but I don't feel like delving into it too much, but I'm shocked that Portugal was a pot two team given that they won Euro and won their qualifying group. Like, what else do you need to do? Like, can they buy a fucking FIFA ranking to put them in the first pot? It seems crazy to me. I mean, maybe they were. Yeah. No, because then they wouldn't be with Spain. No, no. See, Joe, you're thinking about it from the wrong angle. And this is what I suspected. And this is the truth. They were pot one. It was Spain who was pot two. Oh, see, I'm, I, I'm, I was getting outraged at FIFA. Look at that, Joe. That's a very, very Spanish perspective you're coming. You've got to broaden your Iberian mindset to go out. You know, you think of Portugal as that lowly little neighbor. No, it is Portugal. The winners of, because, you know, they won the Euros, which must factor into the FIFA rankings. You know, Spain had a pretty uh, tepid, I would say, last two major tournaments. Yeah, I mean, in that case, if Portugal was the pot one team... Spain is like the worst pot two draw you could get. Spain is, uh, I'm looking at it right now. Spain is the top team in pot two. So it's it's not a good draw. Like where, okay, so this group is still obviously just as exciting as as we just talked about. But I do think it is a bit of an unlucky draw for Portugal because like, I mean, they are the pot one team and they drew a pot two team who is a favorite to win the group. That's unlucky. But Um, their luck also has to be considered that 
the pot, pot yes. three has Costa Rica. It's got Sweden. It's got all these yeah. teams. They they've got the worst pot three team. Yes, and Morocco is not Morocco is the pot four team. Morocco is like a, a below average pot four team, but not the worst. Yes. but no, that's right. I mean, this very easily had they drawn the wrong pot three team, this would have been the group of you, death. You put 100%. Sweden, yeah, you put Sweden in that group, and that is just yes. absolute brutal. But, all that being said. Like it's still such an exciting group. I think it's a little bit worse from from the Portuguese perspective because I think that like they should have maybe they could argue that they should have had an easier time if they want to win the group to get that favorable seating for the for the knockout stage matchup. Um, but I'm gonna say six out of ten. Six out of ten. All right. So you're you're demoting it a little bit. Yeah, I, I see from their perspective how it's not so great, but you know, still. It's the World Cup, and one thing that is is absolutely true, and and I can't imagine, just based on what we know, that Portugal is a above average pot one team versus Spain, who is the best pot two team. That matchup between Portugal and Spain has has got to be the most exciting first game of any of the groups. Oh yeah, I mean that will be the most most watched first game. Yeah, yeah. totally. 100%. And so that that's pretty exciting that just at the early moments of the World Cup, everybody's going to know and everybody's going to be talking about how both Portugal and Spain have looked. All right, Joe, where are we going next? Number 10. Number 10, rate the kit. So let's let's see what my favorite player for <laughs> all past and future, what is he going to be wearing? What is he going to be showing off that ripped physique of his? What shirt will he be ripping off after he scores? Yeah, Ooh. Can't wait. Oh, my goodness. I mean, what if he scores a hat trick, Joe? I mean, he probably will. Probably Against Spain, too. No less. Exclusive Portugal 2018 World Cup home kit leaked. Look at that. This looks shockingly similar to the Morocco kit. It's the Morocco kit. It's the Morocco kit. But this is Nike, not Adidas. This is like the rival kit to the Morocco kit. Yeah. But I'll tell you. Now that I'm looking at this, I, I feel like that green, I said, had Morocco written all over. This this is just Portugal. I know this is Portugal. Totally. I've seen my hero, Cristiano Ronaldo, wearing this thing, and it just instantly conjures images of Portugal and their insane dominance and their goal-scoring brilliance. Oh, Dan, look at the away kit. It has these like tiny blue dots all over it. Or like little blue stars everywhere. That's nice. I wonder if those like help if if they like help with ventilation. I don't know if they serve a purpose or not. Oh wow. I like that. Oh my god. Christian Ronaldo's like gonna look so good in that. He's gonna look so good in and it. And I like how they know that he rips it off so often that they put stuff on the inside of it, so when he rips it off you'll get a little surprise. Oh, I wonder if this away kit that's a that's a great question actually. I wonder if that away kit with the blue dots, I wonder if it's like a rippable shirt, so it'll just rip easier. Oh man! When he scores, that must be it because it's like sort of like a perforated edge. Yeah, it's it's designed right for it. <laughs> yeah, and, and so look, just, that's a smart marketing thing. Sell it to people too. People are going to be ripping the things in half on their own, and you got and you got to buy a new one each time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Every, everybody's going to want to mimic their hero, Cristiano Ronaldo. Smart Nike, very smart. I mean, I like it. Genius. It's a good kit. It's a good kit. It's a good crest. What do we give uh, our friends down south to Morocco? You gave Morocco a 5 out of 10, which was among the lowest score in this category. Yeah. I mean, this away kit, 
it, it just seals it that this is this is a seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. So for this category, you've given five seven out of ten. That's uh, you. You clearly you have a when you are satisfied with the greatness of a jersey, you're at seven, and I think you've yet to be blown away. But that's that's exactly right. No, I'm I'm satisfied, but I haven't seen the kit yet. I mean. I could be persuaded that the Costa Rica kit is a little bit low only because of the Jurassic Park teeth, but you know. Yeah. Well, I, I think the Portuguese kit is honestly being hurt that it's not being modeled by Cristiano Ronaldo. Like, I think if he were wearing it, that, that gives True. it like two points bump. But the World Cup hasn't started yet. We just have to imagine what it would look totally like true. with his ripped physique and rippling <laughs> muscles underneath. But, you know, I guess we'll, we'll get there. All right, Dan. Next category. Number 11. Number 11, the National Anthem. Wow. All right. From Superfan Tony, PhD. The origin story. In 1980, the British issued an ultimatum to Portugal not to occupy certain areas of Africa. The night after the ultimatum was accepted, composer Alfredo Kale wrote the melody for a Portuguesa as a patriotic protest march. Inspired by the outrage felt by the Portuguese people, the lyricist Henrique Lopez de Mendoza accepted Keel's request to create words to suit his melody. It was distributed widely, and the song was so popular, it was translated into several different languages. There were so many different versions of it, in 1956, the government created a committee whose aim was to define an official version. On July 16, 1957, the current version was proposed, and it was approved by the Council of Ministers. The lyrics, Fight song against the British. Over land, over sea, to arms, to arms. For the fatherland, fight. Against the cannons, march on, march on. Fun facts. The lyrics were changed to be not so specific to Britain. The last line of the quote. <laughs> I, I love that basically the lyrics were like, fuck you, England. <laughs> I like it. We're occupying Africa. We don't give a yeah. shit what you think. We will <laughs> fight you over it. Um, he says, the last line of the chorus, right. contra os... Canois marchar, marchar, against the cannons, march, march, is an alliteration of the original contra os britos, marchar, marchar, against the Britons, march, march. <laughs> oh, that's nice. And um, for all of our Portuguese listeners, I apologize. I mean, my pronunciation of all of it this. Was, it was perfect, Dan. So let's hear it. Buckle up.
I like it. You know, I mean, I think I'm still waiting for one of these national anthems. And maybe I guess it's just about like when like recorded music existed. But like, I'm still waiting for a national anthem that's like 400 years old. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess Portugal, the, the thing is, you know, Portugal as a as a country or kingdom, I'm sure was older than that. But then, you know, they went through some rough patches. But I'm sure many of these anthems are going to be somewhat tied to I think every country has had some sort of struggle in the last like 100 years. And it does right. seem like, you know, a good good thing to write an anthem on is some struggle that the people are going to, you know, hey, we want these to pillage these African colonies and get our wealth from them. And we don't want the British to tell us what to do. But I guess I don't understand why why these countries can't say like, OK, we overthrew our government, but let's keep the anthem. Let's just change a word here or there. And then they have these like, you know, then it, I mean, I guess I get it. Like if you were dating someone, you had like a song and then you broke up and dated a new person. You wouldn't be like, well, I really like that song. So can we keep that as our song? Um, like I get that. But, you know, it'd be nice to hear an older anthem, though. I, you know, you do have to respect the fact that this anthem was basically like a fuck you to Great Britain. Look, Even I'm, if if it was for the wrong reasons. I'm on Team Portugal. I could not love <laughs> Portugal anymore. But you know what, Joe? Now knowing the context of this anthem, I'm going to kneel during it when I'm at the bar watching my team play. <laughs> because, look, I support many, just like my country, home country, our United States, I support many things about the country, but... You know, I think kneeling during a national anthem is is okay. So I, I I support your overall statement that I think the anthem can be somewhat disconnected from, you know, you're just talking about musically. You just want a, the, the nice music of the anthem. You don't even care what the sordid history is. To me, I think the sordid history is is what makes the anthem so interesting. And um, But here, it, it's a kneelable anthem, I feel. I, I feel this is, they made the anthem for the wrong reasons. And they stuck with it. I think they just were um, stubborn. Well, and Ronaldo might be kneeling too. Right <laughs> along there with you, Dan. You don't know. Oh, of course. Hey, we have a kinship, a special kinship. I'm going to be true. wearing my Ronaldo jersey. It, as he kneels, I will kneel. As he rips it apart, I will rip it apart. And, uh, you know, hopefully all the oh, people at the maybe, bar. Maybe him ripping his jersey off isn't like celebration. Maybe it's like a protest. Like he's ripping the flag. Like. Oh my He's god! Protesting. What if he has something written, written on his rippling muscles? Some yes. message saying Britain, <laughs> Britain was right. You're right, Dan. You're right, Dan. I agree. Sorted history. Four out of ten. Four out of ten. Yeah, I think it's fair. I look. They basically we know about the fascist regime. This whole committee happened during the fascist regime. In the last 30 years, they should have come up with something new. Though, to be fair, just, just one thing to throw out there. Let's be honest. Great Britain may have not been telling Portugal not to occupy Africa out of like altruism. It could have been like, no, we want to occupy that. So It's true. Look, so, I, I may kneel during the English one, too. In fact, I may kneel during all of them. <laughs> Dan, that's just called sitting at a certain point. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Joe, I like a good seat. Sometimes they're, they go on for a while. <laughs> Number five. Number five, history with the U.S. men's national team. Look, this one almost needs no introduction. I, I, I know. We all sure vividly remember everywhere where we were when we were watching the most important meeting between these two teams 
the very famous match in the 1992 U.S. Cup. That's right. (laughs) The U.S. Cup, when the U.S. invented a soccer tournament, hosted three random teams, Italy, Portugal, and Ireland, to determine who was the best soccer country in the world. The U.S. (laughs) beat Ireland 3-1, then in their fateful matchup and long-remembered matchup with Portugal, won 1-0 in that famous matchup, then tied Italy 1-1 to to win the inaugural U.S. Cup. That's right. The U.S. has had Portugal's number from the beginning. And I also think that the ill-fated U.S. Cup, which, for whatever reason, they don't do anymore, was the... Well, uh, wait, how do you know they don't do it? Maybe it's just not on a four-year cycle. Maybe it's on like a 30-year cycle. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> I, I think that might have been the inspiration for this great Simpsons bit. This match will determine once and for all which nation is the greatest on earth, Mexico or Portugal. (laughs) Played in Springfield. (laughs) But seriously, for the first time, we actually have some real history with the U.S. men's national team, and this history is significant. So U.S. has played Portugal twice in the World Cup in 2002, And this was, you know, Portugal first qualified for the World Cup in a long time. The U.S. is playing them. The U.S. is underdogs. The U.S. scores three quick goals to go ahead 3-0. And then basically a comedy of errors occurs where Portugal scores and then the U.S. has like a comical own goal where the defender, it's like kicks a perfect volley into the back of the net. And so all of a sudden, 3-0 at halftime and everybody was celebrating turned into 3-2. And then the U.S. had to like you know, very high pressure, have to get out of the next uh, 20, 25 minutes, but they do, they win three to two. So that was the first meeting. The second meeting is the one that everybody must remember was in 2014, where the U.S. down 1-0 after the fourth minute, you know, U.S. is on such a high after beating Ghana, and then we play Portugal, we're down 1-0 in, you know, right at the beginning of the game. And But then the U.S., after the second half, tie it up in the 64th minute, take the lead in the 81st minute off Clint Dempsey's weird sort of chest goal. It's amazing. And then the U.S., we're already punching our ticket into the second round with two wins. Everything's great. The bar is uproarious. The time's ticking, ticking. We're all checking our watch. Blow the whistle, blow the whistle, blow the whistle. 92nd minute, 93rd minute, 94th, blow the whistle. Into the 95th minute, my hero, the beautiful man carved from as if his muscly physique, as if a, a, <laughs> a Greek sculptor made him out of marble, sends in a perfect cross after a, stu- a very stupid U.S. giveaway. And the, the ball is uh, knocked home in the 95th minute. The, the whistle blows just like right after the goal is scored. The U.S., only comes away with a 2-2 draw, a draw that felt like a loss, that uh, the, the term coined by the men and blazers. But in the end, it wouldn't matter. And, and honestly, in the end, it probably worked out for the best for the U.S. We lose to Germany. We finish second in the group, which actually worked to our advantage because we had that very great match against Belgium that the U.S. should have won. The Belgium was the right opponent for us. So, you know, Portugal sort of helped us out there with that uh, that heroic goal by my hobbled hero Cristiano Ronaldo gutting it out never giving up um but but anyways I mean you're talking about what 
you would think as a world football powerhouse because I think they are now to some degree. I mean, they're a pot one team. Obviously, they won the Euros. But throughout history, they haven't been that great. And, you know, any team that the U.S. owns a two and one record against when you combine the World Cup and the uh, U.S. Cup, that's <laughs> not even two and one, two oh and one. I mean, the U.S. has never lost to Portugal in any of these uh, elite world competitions. So it's it's. One of the elite countries in the world where the U.S. can say we have their number. I do feel like there is, um, and I felt like this at the time, and I, I still feel like it now to a degree, is that had we actually just held on for another goddamn 20 seconds and won that game, that it could it would have altered the course of, of U.S. soccer a little bit in the sense that like, it would have been our modern team in the modern era beating a European powerhouse. And who knows, maybe you take that 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 confidence into your game against Belgium or whoever you're playing if if we ended up winning the group, though I'm sure we wouldn't have Germany, wouldn't, still Germany would have beaten, would have beaten us. us, yeah. Right. But that just the confidence of that team, and not even just like the fans and the media and all that, but like the actual players themselves of like we took down a powerhouse, I think would have um you know, just change the U.S. soccer culture a little bit. And I think that, like, there's just this, like, you know, we're not underdogs in, like, a scrappy chip-on-our-shoulder way anymore. We're, you know, underdogs in, like, the, like, we, you know, we can't buy a win and we keep, you know, like, blowing things at the last minute or we get very unlucky or whatever. Yeah. And, like, that game could have been a turning point. So, I mean, in that sense, like, you're right. We actually have a really good record against Portugal, but it does feel like, like, man, that was a wasted opportunity. But I don't... I don't feel like even leaving that game, I didn't blame Portugal. I didn't think that Portugal did anything wrong or or that they were like, you know, getting any favors from the refs or whatever. I mean, I remember being annoyed at our player for, I forget who it was, a midfielder who gave it away in like such a stupid place. Yeah. Um, maybe it was Bradley. I don't know. But um, but anyway. Uh, yeah. Fuck I think Bradley. This is a, yeah. Fuck Bradley. What a great he did for us in this qualification cycle. Get him out of there. I want Pulisic and all of Pulisic's relatives playing the midfield. <laughs> uh, I think, uh, you know, it's good to have some history. It's good that there's like a maybe a bit of a rivalry between this team that could be budding one day. Um, let's say five and a half out of ten. Five and a half. My main memory of the game was it was like, wow. Ronaldo, even when hobbled, is like by far the best player. And like the U.S. Yeah. is actually like, this is a good matchup for us. All right. Two categories left. Fan culture and system of government head of state. Yeah, we normally handle that one first, but now it's going to be uh, the last or penultimate category. So what what does the uh, the deck of cards say? Number nine. And there we go. System of government head of state. Portugal, a region of Spain. Oof. <laughs> no? No. Not a region of Spain. They're on the Iberian Peninsula, though. Has a rich history of seafaring and discovery as it looks out from the Iberian Peninsula across the Atlantic towards America. All right. <laughs> Coming back. After being rescued from the Moroccan Moors. By... <laughs> All right. I'm sensing a, <laughs> sensing a little theme here. After being rescued from the Moroccan Moors by the Spanish Reconquista... The Portuguese betrayed their Iberian overlords and became a nation on their own. For almost half of the 20th century, Portugal was a dictatorship in which for decades, Antonio de Olivier Salazar was the key figure. 
This period was ended in 1974 in a bloodless coup known as the Revolution of the Carnations, which ushered in a new democracy. Much like America, Portugal has a president who is commander-in-chief. However, rather than focusing on a political agenda, he acts much like the British Queen, rubber-stamping the decisions made by the elected Council of Ministers. The Prime Minister is the leader of the largest party in the Council and heads up the government. Recent elections have seen the center-right party win the most votes, but be ousted by a left-wing coalition. Socialist Party leader Antonio Costa formed a center-left government in November 2015 after a month of political drama amid expectations of an end to four years of fiscal austerity. He joined forces with two far-left parties to oust the center-right coalition that topped the polls in an inconclusive October parliamentary election. After a history of dramatic uprisings, dictatorships, and backstabbing, Portugal has calmed down to be one of the most stable countries in Europe, and its hatred for strong right-wing leaders, such as Trump, is to be admired. Now let's learn more about this head of state. President Marcelo Nuno Duarte Rebelo de Sousa. I mean, why does every person have like six names? Is this really necessary? Like, it feels like the Brazilians, like, they famously, every person has one name. Like... This there needs to be a happy medium in between this. <laughs> President, yeah, like especially because they're yeah these are Portuguese countries. Can they just average it out to yeah. three names? That's yeah, that'd be fine. Well, I understand the Brazilians. No wonder they were like rebelling against the Portuguese. They're like, <laughs> no, we don't want five names, one name. President Marcelo Nuno Duarte Rebelo de Sousa. Why you might like him? Elected as an independent, appealing for moderation and cross-party consensus. He's an avid surfer. Claims to read two books a day. Helped write the Constitution. Was formerly a professor of law and a TV star for his Sunday night program in which he would grade politicians 1 to 10 and explain the ins and outs of politics. While you might not like him, has health issues. Was in a hospital for three days for a hernia that needed surgery on the 28th of December. All right. (laughs) That feels like a HIPAA violation. (laughs) Also, I mean, man, that's a, that's a bad reason to to rate someone down. I mean, yeah. I mean, I know our own president is the pinnacle of health as his recent uh, of course physical uh, confirm, but but you know they can't all be uh, you know genetic specimens like Donald Trump. Definitely. And uh, the last one is also claims to only sleep four to five hours a day, which <laughs> that's why you might not like him. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure. I feel like uh, Ryan is grasping for straws here. Yeah, I mean, those are things I like about him. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess you'd have to do that to read two books a day and, like, actually be the leader of a country. But this guy seems great. He seems like a Renaissance man, reading books, taking time to take care of his hernia issues. Um, That's what, you know, so many people, they try to do too much. Sometimes you just need to sit back, don't record two podcasts when you're horribly sick, and then that way you'll get get hernia surgery. Yeah, absolutely. I like it. I'm, I'm going like to miss guy. the next month, Joe. You've, this, you're putting me through my own uh, Portuguese. Uh, <laughs> and from here my, on out, we're going to have to record uh, quadruple headers. Yeah. I need my own protest song. Oh, Joe. <laughs> Stand resist. up against the cannons yeah. of Joe. Uh, um, we need to record a podcast tonight. No, not one, two. Do it. Do all the work. This is a great score. I like the system of government. I like this guy. I like the five names, Dan. Seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. All right. One category left. I w- could almost say it's saving the best for last. 
yeah, fan, about the fan culture. The fan culture, and th- there's a, there's a something here. So, super fan Yannick. The team is called the Slesau. Almost everybody in the country roots for them. The heated rival groups of Porto and Benfica come together to support the national team. Up until 2016, supporting Portugal was a wild ride. Many heartbreaks, many great games lost. Until Euro 2016 when they finally won the cup. Now Portugal can stand up with the big guys. Portuguese fans feel like their team plays better when getting booed. They like to be the bad guy. Many Portuguese people watch soccer with their families. They drink beer and eat baifana, a special kind of meat sandwich. Also, many public spaces put up big screens and a lot of people watch in massive groups in the city or town centers. Main rivals. Spain. They always compare themselves to their big neighbor and want to be better in everything. France. Since Euro 1984. Also, France is one of the major destinations of emigration, so the rivalry is especially heated for Portuguese living there. Some even find England a rival, which I don't think Mm. is surprising to us, as they, uh, for a different reason, because they are the team that eliminated Portugal from the World Cup in 1966 when they made the semifinals. And, of course, their former colony, Brazil, an intra-ocean rivalry just across the old straits of the North Atlantic and the South Atlantic. (laughs) Their chants? Oh, Portugal, ole, Portugal, ole, Portugal, ole, and Portugal, Carol, who? Wait, what was that one? Portugal, Carol, who? Oh, I like that. That's my interpretation of it. That's what I will be shouting as I'm ripping off my Ronaldo jersey. Your perforated white Ronaldo jersey. And everybody in the bar says, oh my God, you look exactly like Ronaldo, except for the hair. But your body is exactly equivalent. Are you exactly the same age as him? And I will say, you're goddamn right I am. Actually, he was born two hours before me, so I'm a little bit younger. Yeah, I actually did research it. (laughs) He was, in fact, born a few hours before me. And by a few, I mean many. He was like, he was born like 18 hours before me. But it doesn't matter. We share the same goddamn birthday. We share it so much, and we both share our love of the Portuguese. Although, maybe not. I mean, I think Cristiano Ronaldo is the type of player who would play better when he's getting booed. But, Joe, we know all about the Portuguese fans. What do you think? I'm on board. I love it. That It's a solid chant. I wonder, is Ole pronounced differently in Portuguese than in Spanish? I have it, no idea. It could be. It could be. I, uh, is it like, instead of Ole, it's like, Ole. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh, oh, lay. Oh, oh, I don't know. Carol, I... oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I, I like it. You know, look. I mean, look. I think big screens in town squares reminds me a lot of Italy. I think they have the right fan culture of like you know they're kind of trolling the rest of Europe. They have this like cocky star loves to rip a shirt off like they love to be hated it's a good it's a good fan culture um i'm gonna say eight out of ten they only hate him because he's so damn good and and good looking i might add joe number 12 finish us off take us home much like a cristiano ronaldo penalty kick that you know can only go one place right in the back of the net that port was going one place down your throat as you <laughs> as you enjoyed oh it. God. Look, who doesn't like a good port at the end of the night? 
When you're recording a podcast at fucking one in the morning. I would love nothing more than a fine glass of port to celebrate the end of this doubleheader. And like uh, you should have port is basically like fancy cough medicine, Dan. (laughs) I know. The cough medicine does taste a little like port. It really does. Look, port is great. Wonderful end of the evening. Eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Wow. I feel like that port is is a... Leading to a little bit of score inflation, but Joe, what what can I say? How how can you inflate the score of such a great team as Portugal? Let's look at the numbers. They come in seventy three and a half, which puts their average at six point six eight. Which Joe, I've crunched the numbers. I've looked at all the teams. That's the highest yet. The second oh, highest. Wow. No was, kidding. Was Costa Rica at six point four five? This blows them out of the water. Six point six eight. They only had trouble in the atrocities category. A little bit of trouble in the U.S. men's national team one, and you weren't a huge fan of the anthem, but everywhere else, I mean, sevens, sixes, eights, tens, just a very strong performance uh, all the way around, the highest score yet. I I don't think there's much drama here. I'm already pre-ripping my shirt off, Joe. Dan, continue to rip. Let's put him him through. You know you gotta what? Download the shirt ripping sound effect. By but between now and the World Cup, maybe I will get that hair transplant thing just so I can have a, <laughs> a mane of hair like my hero Cristiano Ronaldo. Dan, I will buy you a a I will buy you the top of the line Ronaldo wig. <laughs> I will go to the bar in my Ronaldo jersey with my Ronaldo wig. I just want to make sure though that people when people think I'm like some sort of like well, but you're right. Nobody's going to think I'm a bandwagon Portugal fan. I mean, they're going to be the Mexican fans. are going to be the Brazilian fans. They're not going to be any goddamn Portuguese fans, except right. for me. Dan, how many practice jerseys do you think you're going to have to go through to make sure that you get the shirt ripping like just right? I'm, when I buy the first thing, I'm going to buy 10, and I'm going to buy them in all the different sizes. Well, so they actually I can... come in a 12-pack. Do you mind getting 12? <laughs> yeah. Believe me, I'm going through multiple of whatever the packs are because I'm going to try okay. it in the small, try it in the medium, try it in the large. I need, I'm going to be looking for what looks the best. I'm going to try with like messages written on my chest just to see if that affects anything. I'm putting in the effort, much the same way that we have put in hours and hours into this podcast already. I'm going to put that much time or more into making sure when I rip that shirt off. And you know what? Some people like the PKs. I hate the PKs. You know, I know Cristiano Ronaldo, clutch under pressure, just tucks that ball right where he wants to. Doesn't matter. The ball's on a string. I like to see Ronaldo score in open play because to me, it's just more exciting. So if he scores on a PK, I'm not going to rip the shirt off. Maybe I'll reveal the message written on my chest, which is going to be something about how great he is. But when he scores that first goal in open play, that shirt, that jersey being ripped two ways apart, I'm just going to throw it in the air in the bar. I'm sure everybody's going to be cheering with me. And I can't wait. I mean, how many more weeks into the World Cup? I wish this were. I wish the Spain-Portugal game was tomorrow, Joe. Now, what are you going to do if someone else on the team scores? Like, what if our, our friend, uh, what if Andre Silva scores? Are you ripping your shirt off for him? Joe, I'm just going to do whatever Ronaldo does. If Ronaldo... Will you, will you like, rip a sock for him? I mean, you like, you, Ronaldo can get the shirt, but, like, come on. If Ronaldo rips a sock, I'll rip a sock. I'm just going to do if Ronaldo runs over and does that thing where he like slides on the ground on his knees. Although I feel like Ronaldo's too good for that. But yeah. Also, be careful about doing that in a bar. Yeah. Well, the thing is, the Spain Portugal, it's probably not going to be packed. That is actually going to be one of the 
positive things about the U.S. not being in is I don't think the bar is going to be as packed as it was last time. I'm going to be able to enjoy these games just with me and the actual true set of fans, like the people listening to this podcast. Yeah, I mean, you know, our 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 podcast listeners could feel feel like, you know, a single bar, I'm sure. Joe, by the time the World Cup starts, we may have thousands of fans. And we honestly might have a live podcast at, I don't know, your house, my house. We might fill it up with these fans. It's going to be amazing. But look, it's late at night. I'm... I've used so much energy visualizing this moment, this great moment that's going to happen in the future with Portugal. But Joe, we've Dan, still who are we got, doing next? We've got 25 teams left to go, and there's still much work to do, and there's just so much more to learn about these teams. And look, we're in for some excitement because we already knew this when we revealed these countries before, but we go from my hero, the greatest soccer player in the world that I don't think there's much debate about, Cristiano Ronaldo. And guess what team we're doing next, Joe? Argentina. His miniature-sized, troll-ish rival. Fantastic. In both the Spanish League and potentially in this World Cup. And we will follow it up with another European team, Poland, who is not quite the punching bag status of those UEFA teams that um, Portugal easily destroyed on their way to qualifying for the World <laughs> Cup, but they're not one of the top-tier teams either. So we'll, we'll get a look at a another one of those middle-of-the-road European teams and sort of see what their path looked like, what their path in the World Cup is like, and, and learn a little bit about them. So people have thoughts about Argentina, thoughts about Poland... You know, I mean, I would love to hear from super fans on the where do they fall on the Ronaldo Messi spectrum. I mean, whoa, whoa. look, you are you saying we should put a second poll in the international lounge? I mean, it would be unprecedented. My fear, Dan, is that if super fans reveal themselves to be Messi fans, will you still allow them to be super fans? Not only will I not, allow, I'm shutting down the podcast. <laughs> but you know what? I, let's. I want to see what the people think. If people think that little tiny troll with his like weird shyness and you know his jersey never fits right he never tucks it in look if that's what they want and and by the way you know he sort of dragged the team in the last world cup to the finals but where was he in the final he couldn't there's a i'll send you this um there's an adorable video of of ronaldo's son getting a messy jersey signed and apparently like this was at the balon d'or um like presentation Apparently, Ronaldo's son is like a massive Messi fan. Oh man! And you can see like this little cute like five year old kid who's like super nervous and anxious to get. And it's like, yeah, you know, your dad is like the biggest celebrity in the world. But well, um, that makes sense. If it's you're really like, cute. you can only be a Ronaldo fan if you're like you're like a Greek god like him. Otherwise, you just would get so jealous of him. Whereas Messi, <laughs> Messi's like an everyman. Like that's like Steph Curry versus LeBron James. Like everybody loves Steph Curry because. Compared to LeBron James, he's like a diminutive guy who's like a very finesse player, whereas LeBron James just bullies you and does whatever he wants. But that's like me. I'm like Cristiano Ronaldo here. And look, that five-year-old kid at this time is more like Messi, but when he grows up, I'm sure he will grow into his Ronaldo genetics, which, from what I understand, are about on par with the Donald Trump-level genetics. And, you know, then he might change his tune. Then he might wonder and regret all of his wasted youth rooting for Messi, a uh, has-been, or maybe a never-was 
you know. <laughs> Let's see if he wins that first major trophy for his country first. And we- so people are going to vote in the fan polls, plural now, Wow! on the Joe Picks Pod slash International Lounge yeah. secret. You're web- Don't tell anyone else about it, though. Secret website. Yeah. I think I might have to password protect the International Lounge, and the password would be, I love Ronaldo. <laughs> and then they're going to write in with their thoughts on anything Ronaldo related, Messi related, Poland related, Argentina related, whatever. Yeah, this is going to be these are going to be two great podcasts to release after we've got the the controversial Russian one out of the way. We're back in business. Two great teams today and, you know, I think we've totally. got two great teams uh up next. So, there you go. Get your feedback in, folks. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And uh that's it. For this double header, Joe. See ya. Feel better.